All right? Let's get started in Galatians. Let's move there now, okay? Galatians. We're in Galatians chapter 5. Our theme has been and still is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. He is our everything. And last week I talked about the depth of that. That wasn't just he is everything. He is my everything. Right? He is our treasure. And we can't add anything to that to make it greater because he is already everything. And, and, and if we come to, to, to Jesus as our treasure, uh, everything will change. And, and that, is, that is the essence of, of the message today as we, we go forward. That, that it ha- the tre- to, for Jesus to become a treasure, it has to have had changed our heart. He has to have changed our heart. And it has to come from our heart. We aren't, we aren't a bunch of people who sit around and follow a list of rules. This is what the Judaizers were presenting to the Galatians. Here's, here's what else you need to do for God. But you and I can never bring before God a sacrifice that he'll accept Right, a list of obedient things we've been obedient to that he will say, well done, great job, you're so amazing, um, you've earned, earned your prize. He certainly is satisfied as we obey from the heart, but it, we cannot earn any favor with God. So we've, we've been working our way through this text, right? Uh, the text of Galatians, it was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a, a southern region in Galatia, to several churches there, to, to believers who were, who were a lot of Greek believers, Gentile believers who, who embraced the gospel, the message that Jesus was everything. And then they were kind of being swayed by, by these Judaizers, people who came actually from, from Israel, from Jerusalem, who, who wanted to say, oh yeah, Jesus, but we still have to have all these regulations and rules and ceremonies. And if you don't do these things, if you don't get circumcised, if you don't follow the ceremonies and, and rituals, you are not saved. And it's a man-made religion, right? It's a, it's a man-made uh, way to reach God. But we understand the gospel was that Jesus, while we couldn't reach Jesus, he came down so we could reach him. He did what we could not do. He accomplished what we could never accomplish. So he's arguing, Paul's arguing for the purity of the gospel that salvation is by what? Grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. And and the emphasis of the final two chapters of five and six is that right doctrine, understanding right doctrine, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, if it's embraced from the heart, will result in right living. Living by that same grace through faith and in Christ alone. Not only are we saved, we live by it. But it has to come from the heart. So I want you to, to think about that today. I want your focus to be there today because if it's not from the heart, you will leave here discouraged. The heart is what God wants. God wants our affections to be placed on Him from our heart. And we must understand that as we desire to live by faith, from the heart and produce a fruit, or let him produce a fruit in us. Doing, a part, doing that apart from God, apart from the power of his spirit, is just as futile as attempting to earn our way to God by works of the law. The Christian life is never, is never about outward performance. It's about outward performance based on the transformation on the inside from being in Christ alone. See, Jesus being everything means everything changes and nothing can stay the same. And that's how important it is that that we would understand that when he invades, when he moves in, when when he grabs us, everything inside changes. So what what I want us to examine today is examine our hearts and the the craving, the cravings of our heart. Because that's really where the proof is. It's, It's in the outward, lived from whatever's on the inside. 
And I, and I hope as we, as we do examine the cravings of our heart that we would see that our affections and the cravings inside of us would be a craving for God's Holy Spirit to do whatever he would want in us. Because nothing is as great a treasure as the Holy Spirit of God inside of us. That is the greatest mystery of the gospel, Christ in us. And he would be our treasure. There was a, a post on our, our Facebook. If you, if you follow the First Baptist Church page on Facebook, uh, every morning uh, Chris has published a, a verse that goes out, a, a daily verse to meditate on, to be, be encouraged by. And I, I saw one that was, had a lot of, a lot of uh, likes or a lot of, a lot of busyness, right? The people were watching it and following it and sharing it. And I, I love the verse, and I, I want to read this verse to you because I, I really, when I read it and I saw so many people liking it, I, I read it and I'm like, do I really, do I really like that? Do I really believe that? Because I, I was slow to like it, and I wonder how many of us just like something and not really pay attention to what we're seeing or hearing. Here's the scripture from Psalm 139, 23 to 24. It says this, and this is a scripture. If we're liking this, we're saying, this is me. Search me, God, and know my heart. That's scary. That is scary right there. Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. Going on. See if there is any offensive way in me. Man, if I could say that every minute, the longing and the affection I had to have for Christ would just grow and grow and grow. But I'm scared to sometimes say that, aren't I? See if there's any offensive way in me. And then it says, lead me in the way everlasting. It doesn't say just, you know, give me, give me a new list, I'll try better. It, what it's saying is, I, I want you to get in here and to wreck me so that I can treasure you above everything else and be led by you in the way of everlasting life. That you would be the example for me. I, I loved this passage, and it fits so well today. And I want us to understand that that's the mode we come to, it, the word today. That should be the mode we come to uh, his word every day, every time we read but I want our heart's attention to be on the word today because today's passage could be a very, very difficult one for a lot of people, and maybe. It was very difficult for me. Just, you can imagine standing on truth, what Satan wanted to do with me in the last three, four weeks, planning and preparing ahead of time for this. Oh, well, you don't need to say that. Oh, he's, leave that part out. Don't worry about it. Well, water that down. Oh, they're going to really hate you if you talk about this. And God just gave me this assurance that, Brandon, your affection, my, the affection of my heart must be on Jesus, and that's all I care about. That I, that I love Jesus because he loves me and has done everything for me, so he is my treasure. Not ego, not people's affection for me, not feelings, but that he would be my treasure and he would be the one that's in charge of my heart. So as we read today, as we, as, we, as we learn today, as we grow today in the Word of God and by the Word of God, my prayer is that we would come to it with hearts ready to treasure Christ above everything else and let Him lead us where He wants us to go. Amen? All right. Let's pray and we'll get into our text. Father, You are a gracious and loving God, and we are so grateful for that. God, we, we often come to church or, or do church things or programs or even love our neighbor in, in ways that almost could seem legalistic. And we lose sight of the joy that we have in Christ. God, today I, I pray that our heart would melt 
that you would invade by the power of your Holy Spirit and that you would change us, wreck us, renew us, transform us and conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus. We want to be led by you. We want to treasure you above everything else. Empty us, God, of ourselves. Wreck us and ruin us that we might look more like Jesus. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. So we're in Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read uh, verses 1 through 25. No, I'm sorry, not 1, 16 through 25. We've already covered the first part. Starting in verse 16, going through 25. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, about which I, uh, about which I tell you in advance, uh, as I have told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. All right, well, let's get into our text today. I want us to, uh, to see what, what, what we see as we look um, at the cravings of the heart. And, and more than that, what does it look like when we crave the Spirit of God? And, and that's the essence of what Paul is saying from chapter 5, is that he wants our cravings, our affections, our, our passion to be about wanting more of the Spirit of God, that I would crave the Spirit of God. So what happens? What does it look like when, I, when my heart craves the Spirit? Number one is this, that when my heart craves the Spirit, the Spirit will lead me away from the cravings of the flesh. The Spirit will lead me away from the, cra- the cravings of the, f- of the flesh. This is, this is a great thing. We think, oh, that's, that's wonderful. I want more of the Spirit. Do we really? We really like what we like, don't we? We really like what's from the, fle- from the flesh at times. But let's look at the passage, 16 and through 18. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You see, there is a battle being waged every day by Satan against us. And for you and I who have embraced Christ, we believed the gospel, and Jesus has filled us and imputed his righteousness upon us, we still struggle with this as well. We still struggle with the temptation of the flesh and obeying what my sinful lust, where they took me before I knew Christ. We still struggle with that, but there's a battle going on, and what Paul is saying is like, there's the spirit and there's the flesh. Whichever one you feed the most is going to win. There's a battle being waged. So if you crave the spirit and you let you be filled with the spirit, if you're in obedience to scripture, if you're in the word and you're in prayer and you're in fellowship, seeking accountable relationships, right, and as God's leading you and guiding you and he's wrecking your heart and changing you and and he's the one that's, that's leading you to the newness 
right? Then the flesh will decrease in us. But they're, they're at opposition. They're at war. There's a battle going on. And we will either live our lives trusting the flesh or we will live our lives trusting the Spirit. And it seems so easy, doesn't it? It seems, oh, well, the Spirit versus the flesh. That's what I want. I want the Spirit. But so often through Scripture, so often through even Galatians, we've seen how people have trusted in the flesh. We talked about Abraham and Sarah who, who the, hey, these are righteous people, people who loved God and trusted in God, but were a little impatient and a little discouraged and said, well, maybe we can take it into our own hands. And what, through, through Abraham and Hagar, we had Ishmael born. And he was born, not of the promise, but of the flesh, the will of the flesh. Abraham and, and Sarah couldn't, couldn't understand that the promise was greater, that the Spirit would take care of them in such a great way. They, they maybe intellectually thought that, but to believe that from your heart comes from the affection that we have uh, for Christ and how he's proved himself over and over to us. We're going to either trust in the flesh or we're going to trust in the Spirit. Listen, God has created us for a greater love and joy than what could be found or, or satisfied by our sin. God's created us for something greater than that. He's made us for himself. And only he can truly satisfy the deepest need and longings of our soul. Only Jesus can totally satisfy. And he becomes that, that treasure. Listen, we're far too quick to, to follow our heart or maybe the heart of another or give our heart to another. But we shouldn't be following our heart. God did not design your heart to be followed. He designed your heart to be led. To be led. Our heart should be led by the Spirit of God into the fullness of God. There's a great quote by C.S. Lewis, and I've read this at a men's breakfast before and just in personal life. It's just amazing. I want to read this, and, and hope, we, hope you, you get the picture here of how amazing it is that we, we pursue or trust even in the flesh when the Spirit is, is offered right there. The infinite worth and value of the Spirit is offered. Here's what he says. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Now, I want you to understand, like, the desire for the flesh, desire for pleasure. He says that the Lord finds that desire, that our desire for that and, and that we're satisfied in that is too weak. Our desire is too weak, right? He says, we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We think that the pleasures of the flesh are the things that satisfy, but they can never satisfy. And we settle for those, and we are far too easily pleased there. When God says, I have something so much greater for you by the power of my spirit, I am the God of infinite value and infinite worth. Trust in me, I am your treasure. The book of Matthew has a parable uh, in, in chapter 13, verse 44, it says this. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found, and then he reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. See, the treasure that we seek and have in Christ is worth giving up everything. Why? Because he is everything. 
So what changes this man? We found this treasure, right? What changes us? What changes our mind? What changes our heart? The treasure of Christ changes us. And as we treasure Christ, we see He's a God of infinite worth. And, and that's what we've been talking about over these last several weeks. It's not about legalism. It's not about following the rules and regulations and rituals. It's about loving God and having an affection for God from our heart because He is everything. And that He gave us everything when He went to the cross and He rose from the dead. There's nothing that we need that He cannot and has not provided to us. He is that treasure. He is my everything. Psalm 1611 says this, you reveal the path of life to me. Life. In your presence is abundant joy. In your right hand are eternal pleasures. See, that's the God that we are seeking. That's the God that we can be pleased by. That's the God of infinite value. The man in this parable found something. He found everything and it transformed his entire outlook on life it changed everything the treasure restructured his values and his priorities what he had and what he gained and what he counted as worth he considered a loss and gave it away or sold it he got rid of it all paul says that as well right what i what i thought was gained to me I, i've counted it as, as dung worthless i'm gonna send it away put it on the heap this treasure restructured this man's values and priorities it altered his goals it made him new it made him new he once was lost but now is found he once was dead but now he's alive and god has made all things new in him and if we would continue to crave the treasure that is god himself in christ then he would lead our heart and fill our heart with unfathomable joy and hope as only he can only he can and as we walk new we walk new because we are being led by him and by his spirit you see this life you know there's no way we can we can approach the next section of scripture here and say oh here we go here's the list of things we shouldn't be doing if i just follow those i'll be okay no it's not a list the judaizers wanted a list we we, we as as human beings we are drawn to this need for for religion and regulations when jesus says oh, i want you to have all of me and when you have all of me everything will change you will be different you will fall into a certain life and style of life and living but it's not because you're checking off a list it's because i am your treasure and i'm leading you to the way everlasting and that leads us to number two when our heart craves the spirit the cravings of the flesh will be obvious. The cravings of the flesh will be obvious. Listen, if we're still fooling about with drink and sex and passion, and that's where we're pleased, and that's what our, our treasure is, the works of the flesh will not be obvious. But if we are being fully satisfied in the treasure that is God himself and being led by his spirit, I guarantee you, you and I are going to know what right and wrong is. We will know exactly what the spirit says is right and exactly what the Spirit says is dangerous and bad and wrong. That's what he does. He convinces us. He shows us the cravings of the flesh, and they will be obvious. Verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, 
jealousy, or uh, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Right? The list wasn't exhaustive, right? About which I tell you in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I want us to understand this passage, that when we, we talk about a list of sinful behavior, a list of things that, that is produced because of the flesh and the desire for my flesh and to be pleased in the flesh, when an exhaustive list like that is, is presented to, to you and I, who have trusted in Christ, who have believed the gospel, who, who have let him redeem us, we have to understand that, that if, we, if we fall into one of those sins, it's not saying that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a difference here between those who practice this, that's the last part of that verse, right, in verse 21, those who practice this, practice such things versus those who have a repentant heart and, and don't want to do those things. There is a difference. There's a, there's a difference in that. There's the habitual practice that says, I, I'm okay doing this. This is my lifestyle. I'm going to continue in it. There's no change. There's no desire in my heart that changes. I'm going to continue. And what, it, what God is showing is marks of those individuals that we can see the proof from the heart. We can see that the, the heart has been changed by either we don't sin or the heart hasn't been changed by we continue to practice sin. And by the way, the scripture never tells us that we will be completely free from sin or sinning. It, it tells us that God wants us by the power of the Holy Spirit and he wants to lead us away from sinning and sinful behavior. He wants us to lead, a, lead us away from there to avoid these sins. But you and I, as human as we are, even are succumbed by the flesh at times. If we were never able to be succumbed to the flesh, then Satan wouldn't have a job. But he's active, isn't he? And we are succumbed to the flesh at times. That's why we need to treasure Christ more and more supremely and let that treasure overflow from our heart in obedience even though you and i may not habitually practice these sins like the unbelievers do god's call is for us to be led by his spirit in such a way that we would not even occasionally do them he wants us to be more and more like jesus he wants us to be sinless and pure as we can being led by his spirit it's about growth though and sanctification that he's doing a work inside of us to mature us and make us complete and to make us look more and more like Jesus. And we have to understand that his spirit is the one that convinces us. His, when, we, when we treasure Christ above our flesh, when we treasure Christ above these other pleasures and passions and desires, he is convincing us what is right and what is wrong. He is convincing us of the error of our ways. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but in my life, as I've grown and, and God has grown me and sanctified me and, and helped, me, helped me flee from sin, there have been plenty of times where I've fallen in sin and I, I feel so, so convicted about what I have done. It may be small, it may be big, but the conviction is still there. God's Spirit saying, Brandon, that was not the fullness that I offered to you. That was not the treasure that you should be seeking. And see, that's God's Spirit convincing us of what is right and what is wrong. Those who don't have the Spirit, who don't pursue the Spirit, don't feel like, oh, that was really, really wrong. Because they continue in it. It's a habitual practice. It's the only thing that satisfies them, but it never fully satisfies. That's why they continue to habitually practice sin. I want to read another spot, another list here. Uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy. It's uh, towards, towards the back a little more from here. <clears throat> After Thessalonians, go to Timothy. 
First Timothy chapter one, verses eight through eleven. It says, now we know that the law is good, provided one uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers for murderers, for the sexually immoral and homosexuals, for kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and for, and for whatever else is contrary to sound teaching based on the glorious gospel of the blessed God that was entrusted to me. That was entrusted to me. So there's this list of things still there. There's, and, and if we go back to, turn back to your Galatians uh, passage, we're going to read through that list. We're going to kind of break it up. And I think there's kind of three main sections. And I think it's important for us to talk about this. This is God's word. This is God's truth. And for us just to brush over it and say, oh, well, let's figure, figure it out on your own. Whatever, you, whatever God makes you feel, that, that'll be okay. We don't necessarily really believe that. We don't, we don't think that, well, we'll all each kind of pick and choose what we think is right and wrong. Uh, you know, several weeks ago, I asked, I asked you uh, and to, to trust that when we came before this passage, when we came, came before the scripture, that we would let God be in charge, that we would let God say what is right and what is wrong. The very nature of Christianity and you and I embracing a gospel that's Jesus plus nothing means that he gets the first and last say. That he is God, and that you and I are not. And if we were, we shouldn't even be here because there's no one to worship except for ourselves. If you want to embrace your own idea, your own, your own fancy, then go do it. But when we come before God's word, we are saying we are submitting ourselves before him and what he says. Not what our best friend says, not what our spouse might say, not what our, 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 our gut feeling might tell us, not what our political party or the other political party might say. Right? Not what the world says or screams, but we are submitting ourselves to a holy God who is the creator of us all. Amen? That's where we start. We submit to him because Jesus plus nothing is everything. If we start adding our own things in there, it's not the gospel at all anymore. There's no good news in that. So let's start with the first, first view. Uh, it's the sexual section. And I know it's like, oh, there might be kids present. That's okay. We need to learn what the Bible says about sexual, uh, sexuality, okay? So there's, there's three there. There's sexual immorality, there's sexual impurity, and there's promiscuity in our, in our passage. Uh, these words are from the word porneia, from which we get the word pornography, right? Illicit sexual imagery or desires or passions. It's a very broad term. So we, we can study deeper in Scripture, and you can go home and study deeper in Scripture, the, the specifics, but I'm going I'm to give you a few. It's a broad term. It refers to any illicit sexual activity and unrestrained indulgence, such as adultery, right? That's sex with someone who isn't your spouse. Lust, right? Sexual fantasy or desire, images, videos, people. Immodest behavior. Fornication. It's kind of an interesting word. Fornication basically means sexual intimacy outside of marriage, with, with someone outside of marriage. So it could be adultery, it could be you're living with your boyfriend or girlfriend and you're sleeping together. That's fornication. Homosexual behavior. Pretty clear. Bestiality. That is sexual intimacy with animals, right? Which was done then and is still practiced in places today. Prostitution and incest. 
It covers any sexual activity outside of the design God has for the intimacy of one woman and one man within marriage. That's what God's design is. And see, as we say that, I know, you're, I know what you're feeling. Oh, I don't know about that, Brandon. Really? Do you have to know about that? Do you have to have the say on that? You see, the, this, we're talking about the craving of our heart. What does your heart crave right now? Is your heart craving the treasure that is found in Christ alone with nothing else added? Or is your heart craving a little mixture of some tolerance and, you know, my friend so-and-so does this and I, I love them and I, I don't think they're necessarily maybe wrong. What, do, what does God's word say? There, while there can be hours, listen, hours of, of conversation on these topics, there can be no exceptions or adjustments. And by the way, I'm very happy to have those hours of conversations with you if you need that. If you'd like to be led and taught in these ways and understand these things more clearly, I would be happy to sit across from you or next to you and and do that. But God's word is God's word. So sexual immorality was the first section. The next section is more of a religious uh, section. Man-made religion. It includes idolatry and sorcery. Uh, these relate to man-made religion, which, which Paul is writing to the Galatians about, saying, flee from that, get away from that. Don't pursue anything that's Jesus plus or just anything that's not even with Jesus but looks religious. Don't pursue that. Idolatry, right, is obviously it's, it's that setting up something that's God for us that's not really God. It's the thing that I put in, in, in place of my greatest treasure, Idol worship. Idolatry and sorcery or or man-made religion are are the enemy of divine grace and the gospel. They're at odds with it. Sorcery comes from the Greek word pharmakeia. It's actually where we get pharmaceuticals from, right? Medication, mind-altering, body-altering, physically-altering medication. Well, why is sorcery medication? That doesn't make sense, right? Well, here's why. Because those who were of man-made religions practiced their their cult-like behavior, trying to communicate with their own deities by use of drugs. They would, and and they would, it was so much identified with use of drugs and mind-altering drugs that they it became linked with sorcery. That it's like, oh yeah, it's sorcery. Drug use is sorcery. It's 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 man-made religion. It's this reckless and indulgent use of mind-altering drugs to put us in a different reality. What Scripture would say is that we must continually examine our hearts and come before Christ clear-headed and receptive for Him to lead us, not with our mind altered in a different place. Now, there, there's certainly a place for pharmacies, isn't there? I just got over a sinus infection. I'm so glad I had antibiotics, right? And there's certainly times where medicine is used to help benefit our bodies and heal our bodies or put back into balance what is out of balance. That, that's, that's God's realm. He created those things. But when we are using it to alter our mind, to get that buzz, to, to remove us from reality, that's when we start to cross that line of sin and go into idolatry. Those who are born of God do not continue or practice in those ways. Practice that. The next section is, is a, a relational section. How we live and relate to people. Let's go through that list. It says hatreds and strife. Right? Well, hatred, it's hateful attitudes, and it's bitter conflicts that arise. This is what we see in the world. This is, 
This is, this is a mark, an overflow of what the world desires. It comes from ego and pride, right? The next one says jealousy and fits of anger, and they kind of go together, right? We, we covet, and as a result, it, re, it results in unrestrained hostility toward others without much or any provocation. I could just go off on anything. The wind changes, I'm, I'm going to snap. And we, we see and know people like this. And what, what you and I, if, you're, if you are this, examine that Christ can be everything for you. He can be the new treasure that pleases and changes everything inside. And we're going to see at our next point how that happens. But for you and I who are believers, these things can still creep in. We can still exhibit jealousy and fits of anger. And we need to do that less and less because Jesus should become our treasure and, and we should be led by his spirit. Then as selfish ambitions or dissensions, factions and envy... These are all animosities that exist between people and that are allowed to fester. It, it really becomes what you live for. It becomes, it's what you think about when you go to sleep and it's what you, what you think about when you get up in the morning. It's what drives you. is the selfish ambition and this hostility towards other people. Finally, in this list, it says drunkenness and carousing. That's the overindulgence in things that feel good and is used as an escape or a way to self-medicate. I'm depressed, I'm sorrowful, I can't cope with reality, I'm gonna go have more sex or eat too much or drink too much because it makes me feel good. Again, these things are the treasure of people who are not inheriting the kingdom of God. For you and I, who, who hopefully you and I, who have put our faith and our belief in Jesus Christ, he has moved in and he is changing and rearranging everything. We have to be careful to avoid these sins because they are not marks of someone who has been redeemed by Jesus. They're marks of the unredeemed. And we need to be careful to avoid these sins because they're dangerous and damaging. And listen, when it pertains to the gospel message that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, we need to be careful that these listed immoralities don't lead us to be moral for the sake of morality. I can't, I can't overemphasize that enough. This is not a list that you need to go home and start following to be a Christian. It is what will happen or what you will avoid when Christ invades and changes and becomes your treasure. It's how we will live because His Spirit will lead us that way because He is all satisfying to us. It's as though we have grabbed a hold of Christ and He has become all sufficient. He's placed His Spirit upon us and within us and we are led by him into obedience because the new craving of our heart will only delight in and be satisfied by Jesus. So we live like that. And listen, I, 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 I love you. If you're sitting here today and, and you're craving for me to tell you that living and sleeping with your boyfriend or girlfriend is okay, if you're craving for me to tell you that homosexuality is okay or that bitterness is okay or that gossip is okay or that drinking or eating too much is okay, then you are here craving the wrong thing. We don't crave for an agenda. We crave for the Spirit of God to make us new. Amen? That's what makes us Christians, a craving for the Spirit of God. And listen, you and I cannot come. This is how you and I add to the gospel. Jesus says, in order to, to seek me and really be filled by me as a treasure, 
I have to come to him completely empty. And, and I think what Christians like to do or, or Christians like to tell their friends they can do is this, that, listen, I know you're struggling with sin. I know you kind of believe this way or your political party said, does this or, or your grandpa believed this. Or, so you want to hold on to it, right? We want to hold on too tightly to what we have. And, and when we hold on to something so tightly, a, an agenda, a position, a sin in our life, when we hold on to something so tightly and we walk up to God with it, we say, here I am, God. I, they said, just come as I am. We are adding something now to what Jesus is offering us. And it's not Jesus plus you coming as you are with all of your sin and baggage too equals everything. It's Jesus plus you and I coming before the King of Kings empty, letting go of everything that we thought was important. And we come just as we are, broken and wrecked and in need to be filled by God. And only God can fill that void. Only then, when we let that go, can God truly be all-sufficient and everything for us. Because the truth is still the truth that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing Nothing you can bring, nothing I can hold on to. We have to release it in order to fully treasure Christ. And, and that's my heart for you today. It's not, we have to hate homosexuals. We have to stop being bitter and gossip. We gotta, we gotta, I'm, not, I'm not here to nag you. We, we've already stood condemned by the law. We already know what's right and what's wrong. What God is pleading with you to do, what I am pleading with you to do, what he wants from me is an empty heart ready to receive the fullness of the treasure that he is. And that's what I want, and that's what I want you to want. I want you to want that above everything else, above every notion or idea or agenda or perception or worldview that, that you're grabbing onto. I want you to want Jesus above everything else, to let him speak and to let his spirit change you and lead you into life. We have to come to him empty. And then the God of the universe will fill us and satisfy us beyond measure. Amen? Finally, number three. As our heart craves for the Spirit of God, the Spirit, only the Spirit can produce what the flesh cannot. That's what we realize. We understand that as we crave the Spirit, only his Spirit can produce what my flesh cannot. Look at verses 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. So there's this final way that we see God producing in us what we could not. And here those, here's that list, love. Right? And, and really, some commentators say that love and fruit are synonymous. They're the same thing. So it's like the overarching of everything is love, right? What, is, what does God say? The greatest commandment is love, right? Love God, love others, love. So this is the, this is the dominant uh, trait, love. And it's a personal choice that we make to lay aside our agenda, right? When we're, when we're relating to people, we relate aside our agenda, lay down our lives, and serve others sacrificially, 
Because that's how we have been loved, sacrificially by Jesus. Joy, it's this deep down sense of well-being in our heart because we know that Christ has made it well with our soul. That there is joy because of what Jesus has done for us. And that leads us to peace. Peace refers to the tranquility of mind that comes from our salvation. So joy is what is from our heart and peace is what makes our mind rest. And both of those are given that surpass all understanding because we are in Christ Jesus. Next, he produces in us patience. And patience is a tolerance that endures injury inflicted by others or by circumstances. It is a calm willingness to accept irritating or painful situations. I almost said people. Right? But it is. It's that patience that he gives us. Kindness is a tender concern for others. It is a desire to treat others gently. We want to be kind. It leads us to the next one, goodness. It has to do with moral and spiritual excellence plus, plus more. Because I can live righteously, and that means I'm pretty squared away. I've got my stuff down. I'm living pretty, pretty rightly in, in what God would have me do. But goodness is more than that. It's more than just moral and spiritual excellence. It's coupled then with sweetness and active kindness. Romans it talks about this. Maybe you've read this before when, when Paul says, you know, for, for a righteous man, some may be willing to die, right? But maybe not. But, but for a good man, many, many would. Like, what does that mean? It means that the righteous, they're squared away. They got it going. But man, for a good person, for a person that you just are so glad to be around and be in their presence because they are so kind, they're so gentle, they're so compassionate, and they're morally excellent, but they're just, there's something about, there's a sweetness about them. That's what this goodness refers to. Faith or faithfulness, it's that loyalty or trustworthiness that, that we can be counted on. We would be faithful. Gentleness, it's usually translated as meekness. It's, it's selflessness, right? It's humble and it's a gentle attitude that's free of the desire for revenge or retribution. It's gentle. Finally, self-control. It is the restraint over passions and the cravings of the flesh. Restraint over passions and the cravings of the flesh. You may fall, but it's not a habit. It's not habitual. We have self-control. We can be disciplined. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. And that's one of our equation, equations, right, or variables. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Apart from him, I am nothing. And in him and in Christ alone, I am and have everything. Paul, in his earlier letter, earlier in the letter to Galatians, he he asserts, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. And now towards the end of his letter, he also affirms that the world has been crucified to me. Because he has been made new in a resurrection that only Jesus Christ can give. Because he has been made new and he has treasured Christ above everything else, he now considers the world and its cravings dead to him. The world and its cravings should be dead to us. Because we have this abundant treasure. It should be the same for you and I, right? The world has nothing to offer 
that could ever compare to the treasure we have in Christ alone or what his spirit can produce from what was once a hard, dead heart. We are to treasure Christ above everything else. Amen? I love you. Let's stand and pray. Father, we want you to to be our treasure. We want to love you. We want to serve you. We want to be led by you into wholeness, into fullness. We thank you for the treasure that you've given us in Christ. We thank you for the grace that you've given us through the cross. Change us. Conform us into the image of the Son. Let us set aside anything that we're bringing to you as a deal breaker. And let us set it aside that we would bring nothing to you so we might gain everything in you. We thank you and praise you for who you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.